still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. We're coming at you with the post-game for OU Baylor. Sooners get their fourth loss of the season, 38-35. Happens in Norman. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, and alongside me today... Fresh off a hectic evening to some extent. I don't know if DMAC wants to elaborate. Uh, <laughs> 2000 national champ, former wide receiver for the Sooners. How we doing, DMAC? Man, it's been a crazy day. I'm a little, I'm in my feelings right now a little bit. But uh, no, nah, I'm doing okay. Um, took took the wife out for a date. We went to go see this uh, young new artist out, man. He's doing, doing, doing some amazing things. And I wanted to see him live. And so we had a chance to go out and see a young man called the Russell. He's out of Vallejo, California. He's blown up nationally. He's been all over the country. Uh, man, man, he was really impressed. Did a great job. Um, very good vibes. It was cool. It was good to go out there and uh, be a part of that. Very cool, man. I spent the evening. I, I made salmon, sweet potato, and broccoli. It was delicious. Had some uh, cupcake Merlot wine and then we made some s'mores outside in the fire pit so we we got after it this evening man it was, it was oh a- man you we had this conversation a few months ago <laughs> don't be don't be don't be bringing up no separate conversations 10 months from now oh my god <laughs> oh my i'm gonna have to put it i'm gonna have to put it put the date down and see what's what's going on 10 months from today so Sounds like That's you guys hilarious. had a good time. That's good to hear. It was good. It was, good, it was good, man. Especially after dealing with the Sooners, man. So oh, it's been God. it's been a tough year to be a fan. I'm sure it's been a tough year to be a player, tough year to be a coach. It's a season where there was a lot of hype around the team. You know, if you were listening to this podcast, though, we told you a few of the things that were probably going to pan out. Well, we we hinted at some stuff i would say we were hopeful though we were hopeful but there were some things that were hinted at because after watching what we saw on saturday oh i want to ask you something damien if i were to tell you in this game this past saturday that ou was going to hold blake shapen to 14 of 23 132 yards they were going to get one pick and they were going to be four of 13 on third down conversions. What what would you think the, the score or the outlook of the game would be? Do you, do you want my honest answer? Honestly, I would have asked you one, I would have asked you one more question. And, and the question I would have asked is how many yards would they have rest for? There you go. And, and, and by the way, I'm not saying that knowing the answer. I'm saying that knowing our weakness. Mm. And so... Yeah, no, yeah, man. There's a lot of things that listen, there are some things that went well, right? Like there are some things, man. Pass defense, the DBs, you know, I was concerned about some matchups on the outside. That didn't manifest. Um, our run blocking, I was really concerned about our guard center guard. It was not nearly as bad as OU Texas. 
uh, um, our receivers, would they show up and make the plays? Because I felt like they would stack the box and say, hey, if Mims can't catch the ball and no one else is a difference maker, I felt like the receivers showed up. And, and man, they, they played winning football Saturday. So there are some pluses. But football still a game one between the lines. Football still a game that's dominated by O-line and D-line. Unless you've got transcendent quarterbacks and transcendent skill guys, you know, it's a game where that line of scrimmage in about a three-yard radius in either direction is going to determine who wins the game. And, man, did we get whipped. Mm. Um, more so on defense than offense. Offense, we got whipped, too, especially on the plays that mattered. But on defense, I mean... It, it it's 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 not surprising, but it's surprising. So Baylor goes out there, forty-eight rushing attempts. They get six yards of play, three hundred and eight total rushing yards. Um, didn't lose a whole lot. Uh, not a whole lot of negative plays on the ground. You know, and it was interesting. Uh, Brian Etheridge before the uh, the game leading up we we talked with him on on the podcast and he thought OU and Baylor were pretty comparable teams this season felt like a genuinely honest assessment and he said they were two teams that you know looked to be maybe a little bit more than they have been this year they they really had their struggles early in conference and have found their footing to some extent as of late so the, the final score being as close as it was, probably not a surprise. I mean, when you go to look back on it, the, the three turnovers are probably what completely changed the game. Baylor got 10 points off of theirs. OU had the pick, didn't really make much out of it, and you end up losing by three. And really, it could have been more. We know that Baylor you know, sits on the ball towards the end. P could have easily been a 10-point margin. And... The 10 points off turnovers, what were the difference? And I think if we're going to really talk about this game, we've got to assess what OU is and what they are doing in their front seven. We've had a, a ton of discussions on scheme. Should they run this? Should they run that? 40 versus 30. You know, it's been talked ad nauseum on every board imaginable. And I actually made a post on Twitter because there's been some comparisons to, to OU and LSU. And when you are just going down player for player, and this isn't to make an excuse, but it's apples and oranges when, or as you say, apples and doorknobs, when one team is out there and they have five-star elite defensive prospect at every level, you know, and that's LSU. They didn't retain a lot that they had a ton of attrition, but they were to get they were able to get very important key transfers and retain very important key pieces. I, I would call it analogous to if OU were able to retain Perry on Winfrey, Nick Benito, and trying to think offhand, just I don't think there was and and Delaire and Turner Yell. If OU was able to and who I, I can't remember. Yeah, he had another year left. If OU were able to retain just what those. What about BA? What about Oh, BA? and Brian Osmo. Yeah, there you go. If OU were able to just retain those three to four guys, you're probably looking at a different. De no, you 100% are looking at a different defense. Are they elite? Are they, you know, pushing for 
the top couple spots in the Big 12? Probably not. So the the fans that we had some questions on Twitter about this, DMAC, is it scheme? Is it players? Is there a scheme that can cover up the, the deficiencies there? What do they need to do so the next few games aren't the same story? I'm the wrong guy to ask. I'm the wrong guy to ask because, I mean, to to even, you know, take a question like this seriously, you know, it implies that um, coaches actually have an impact while the play is happening because they don't. And here's what I mean by that. And there's really, I mean, I could explain this three or four different ways. And they all, they they all just you know take me back to like how dare us have this conversation. Here's why. L- let me just let me just kind of rant for a second. Number one, thirty front, the best defensive performance we had all year. Here we go, Barry. Let me just ask you some some questions. We'll play true false. Let's just play some true false. Let's you do ready it. to play true false with me? Let's do it. True or false? The best defensive performance we had all year was in a thirty front. True or false? That is true. True or false, we have looked terrible in both a 30 and a 40. A hundred percent true. True or false, our linebackers have consistently struggled in space in a 30 and also in a 40. True or false? A hundred percent true. True or false, the... Players we have as our leading cast this season are the same players we had in a totally different scheme than any of the two schemes we had this year, and they looked equally bad last year. True or false? True and true. I, and I mean, but what I mean by that is this: is you kind of you kind of spoke to it. You, I've been, I've probably been saying this for a couple of weeks now. We're a different team if we have IT. Well, IT did IT have a, a a COVID year? I feel like he had a COVID year. I don't he, know if he had a red shirt. Yeah, but, he didn't use it, but yeah, he had a COVID he, year. Right. So let's say IT comes back. Because I remember there was conversation of potentially there was a small chance. But let's just say IT comes back. And then you've got Perion back. And then you've got Benito back. And then you've got BA back. And then you got DTY back, which DTY I would say is less needed in this defense, but he did play with heart. There's a there's a certain level of fortitude he had last year that we don't see so much this year, too. So let's just say we have him. By just by virtue of personnel, we have a better team. We have a true weak side DN in Benito, who by the way can beat any tackle in America, any tackle uh, 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 on occasion. We've got a strong side DN who's this would have been his sixth year in the program. He's a grown man. He got his first sack in the NFL. We've got a three technique in Paraná, who's an animal. He's got freaking Freddy Krueger and Jason on his thigh pads. Yep. We've got a weak side backer. So now we've got depth at linebacker. And by the way, one of BA's best skill sets is playing in space. That's one of the things he did the best. So when people ask me, is scheme the issue? I simply counter and say, well, tell me one player on this defense who has shown that they could play 
up to par against any team that is uh, it has high talent. There isn't one player, right? Danny Stunts, we could say, hey man, he's young pup. By the way, he's got two years. So I'm not I'm not writing him off, but he hasn't shown that he could be an alpha. Uh, uh even Downs hasn't shown that he could be an alpha, right? You know, we got 23 playing above himself right now, but you go back and look at film, he's playing like, you know, uh, uh, an all-conference caliber guy against Kansas and Iowa State. Mm. When you when when you when you put on the film for yesterday, he didn't he didn't jump off the screen, right? We're not playing against you know Handkerchief University or Sisters of the Poor A and M. We're playing against a Baylor team that has a coach who's a physical dude who wants his guys to play hard nosed football. And twenty three didn't have a terrible game yesterday. There wasn't something that he blatantly missed. He, he had he played some will and. And messed up a little there, but he he's not a guy that we're gonna, you know, we're gonna kill him today. No. But when you ask me scheme or players, and then in the same vein, okay, here you go. True or false? True or false coming into the season, OU was on at least equal footing and probably in a better situation than both USC and LSU based on last season's performance. If you're going off last season, correct. Based off last season's performance, right? Yeah. So yeah. all three schools get a new head coach, true or false. That's true. LSU and USC did something we didn't. You know what they did? They both went into the portal and found dudes. Well, Rated okay. it. Lincoln didn't find dudes. He stole dudes. Like, let's just keep it real. He stole, he stole CW. He stole the kid from it. He stole... You know, our little receiver, right? Like he went and and leveraged the portal to replenish the ranks and get a transcendent player. Well, LSU loses week one to FSU. Their best receiver wants to quit. Their quarterback can't throw a, 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 a slant. And we all think LSU is a match made in hell because it's a culture issue between Brian Kelly and, and his constituents and the people in the community. And here we are nine weeks later, and you know what we found out? They've also got a transcendent quarterback. He can beat you with his arm. He can beat you with his legs, and he's starting to beat you with his mind. He's mm. starting to. The kids showed up on Saturday, right? You know what else we found out? And, and you, you know, you reached, you researched this, but like they had a ton of high four-star and five-star dudes on the team. But not only that, they went and, and portaled four or five other high caliber starter alpha dudes so when someone asks me is it scheme or is it kids or players yeah schemes matter but we we've sucked in both and we've had our best day regardless of competition in a 30 we made the most plays in the 30 we were a little more consistent and died a slower death in 40 40 fronts i'll 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 definitely admit that but it wasn't as if the 40 was some magic bean that we all of a sudden had a phenomenal defense and we have phenomenal you know uh, uh, outcomes we got to play against some of the, the 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 lesser teams in our conference i don't think KU's talent can compete with a tech excuse me a TCU a Texas, a K-State, they just don't have the same talent. They had a transcendent quarterback, and once he got hurt, we saw what happened to their team, right? So you got an ISU. ISU is probably the least talented team in the conference. They've just got a great coach and, and decent culture. Those guys know who they are. 
but they've got four or five guys who probably can't play for anybody else in the conference. Then you play a Baylor, who I think I think what your buddy says, uh, the guy you interviewed last week, it's right on, it's right up, it's 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 right on point. We're kind of similar teams. Baylor knows who they are. They're in year four. Is this? The, I think this is around as year yeah, four. Yeah, year, year four. Well, yeah, ni- nineteen. I'm trying to think, was it? no? I think they're third year. Nineteen twenty twenty one. I know they 22. made a big. Yeah, yeah. You see the I year think, three or year four. Yeah, they know who they are. They know who the who they are. So even in a mediocre year, they're Baylor, and we are in a a, a season of transition. So we don't have that to fall back on either. It's not like our guys can say, "Hey, man, we know, you know, we have a level of comfort in this system. We have a level of comfort with these coaches. We have a level of comfort in this program. It's a brand new program, less than a year old, and." I, I don't want to make excuses around scheme. And I know, you know, I ruffled some feathers today in that regard. I'm sorry. But if I'm a player, I'm not going home and telling my mommy and daddy we lost because he didn't let us have four down linemen versus three down linemen. Newsflash, go watch the film. And this is what no one wants to talk about. When we land up in a 30, guess what? There are guys who could make plays. And when we lined up in a 40, guess what? There are guys who can make plays. Barry, there's plenty of game, there's plenty of plays on this film where we line up in a double eagle. You know what a double eagle means? It means we're in a 50. We've got two, we've got a five down man front. And that means in theory, all the linemen are covered. And guess what? We still couldn't make the play. So that part isn't about scheme. It's not like we were getting hooked and they're running outside zone and, you know, they're reaching our guys and, and flowing to the second level and we're getting pinned in. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. They ran a couple of reverse action plays and the entire defense is running one way while the ball is going the other way. That's IQ. The play that seals the game, it's third down and they run inside zone. They literally run an inside zone play. That's all it is. It's a basic inside zone. And our entire defense flies off the screen. He makes a simple cutback. Um, we they do pin our backside in. They kick him out, and he's got a natural hole. Safety, middle backer, everybody. They're over pursuing, and and that's out the gate. That's on players. That's football IQ. That's keeping your cues. That's keeping your discipline. The difference wasn't made because we are one less man or one more man with his hand in the dirt. Three snap. Well, and I think it's important not to discount the impact. I mean, we see it every year with the NFL draft. If you are able to add just a, a single elite edge guy, like a guy who is a transcendent linebacker, you know, you add a shutdown corner. When you start putting talented guys on your defense, even if it's just a handful, you know, watching that LSU game, um, number 40 coming off the edge was absolutely uh, Alabama had no answer for him the entire game. He, he terrorized the, the entire offensive line. There was nobody who could keep him from, from doing what he wanted to do. Even if he didn't make the play, he altered the play. And you look across the board at Oklahoma and you don't have a number 40 who you can run out there 90% of your snaps who is going to get home or impact the play. And and that's where I was going to say, we do have a number 40. (laughs) 
<laughs> he hates Harold Perkins. <laughs> he is, <laughs> and that's all due respect. Say, I was just gonna say we actually do have, a, and he's got one of those neck things that make you look cool. Like you know, just saying we do have a number forty in our team. I, I just it, <laughs> it is true. He he ain't this forty. He is not that forty. Nah, Perkins and, was a dude. Perkins was a man last night. He was a man. Yeah, and and that matters. You you add one or two players to a defense. Uh, who can really, really get after the quarterback, who can win consistently, and you change the game. Basketball, football, doesn't matter what sport, when you have a guy who is just better than everyone else you're lining up against him, it's an advantage for you. It's an advantage for your team. And and it doesn't matter what scheme. It, if you can win one-on-one, Get out of the way. Let this guy do what he needs to do. Nobody else mess up and and may not win every play. And that's when you go back and look at some of the defenses that OU has had. And you're like, well, how on earth were they able to win as many games as they did? It's because they still weren't necessarily short on having a handful of guys who would impact the game. We've talked about it. Your Oboes, your Strikers, your, your Winfrey's, your Benito's. If your you have Perkins. The, yeah, your Perkins. If you have just and OU's year to year probably had what you'd say on average two or three of those guys, I would say. And At this least. is yeah. yeah. And this is the first year that you look across that defensive line, look at the linebacking core, you look in the secondary, and the secondary's been where it's the talent's been a little more underwhelming, I would say, just fewer draft picks and whatnot, but you just don't have that guy up there. And as you said, unless you have a transcendent quarterback, a guy who is going to, if you need seven, he's going to go get you seven. You need a two-point conversion, they've got to play, and, and he is buttons on the two-point conversion. If, if you need a first down, right? How many times, you know, we look at Kyler and all the touchdowns he scored that year, but how many times did they have fourth and four they needed four yards, and he found a way to get the four yards, sealed the game. Like you, you can look at the game-winning plays, but but really, there were so many of those that go unaccounted for. Now looking back, Baker did the same thing, and unless you have a guy who can do that, you're. This is what you get. You get four losses. You know, OU was teetering on it last year, and it was bringing Caleb Williams in. That, that prevented that from happening. And I, I want to go offense with you real quick. Uh, DG ends up with, with three interceptions. I don't feel like he necessarily played poorly. And I don't think the sentiment is that he is to blame for the game. A couple of those throws, you would you could argue, and not really argue, that they were definitely into coverage, probably could have made different decisions on those but you had the tip pass at the line of scrimmage i know you kind of had a take on that if you were to grade his game well what would you have yeah so uh just just kind of like from a, a clean slate <clears throat> that's a 70 74 74 as a game um as an ODU quarterback it's a 60 as an OU quarterback, it's a 60. And so I don't even want to deal with the 74. I want to discuss the 60. And I want to let's just discuss him initially. So a couple of things. First pick, um, 
it's the kind of like the quick slant kind of a deal. He looks yep. to the play side, he double hitches, and then he throws back to the backside. We're on trips to the, to the field. That's all him. That's 100% the quarterback. And here's why, you know, people say, oh, you know, they should have got their hands down. No, that's quick game. We're in third and short. I believe it's a third and short play or, you know, it's a play where we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get the next first down. Three snap. It's clear as day. He picks the field side, the three receiver side as his read. And the way quick game works, you just identify it's either a flat defender or it's a whole defender or it's a high-low concept or it's a it's a it's a spread them horizontally concept, right? Can can the flat defender get all the way to the sideline? If he can't, then we throw to the sideline. If he's there, then we throw underneath him and we hit the hole. Like the it, my point is the concept is predetermined and repped like hell in practice and the goal is to rep it against every defense they could presumably run which is why you watch film and have analysts and all that good stuff so dylan made the decision of where he was going pre-snap and he chose the field the reason we know it's the field is because quick game is where you're not trying to move defenders with your eyes you're just throwing where they're not so he you know he takes the snap and he looks to the field he doesn't like it he doesn't like it he doesn't like it it's it's basically two and a half counts one one thousand two one thousand push that's where o-line are taught to do in quick game one one thousand two one thousand get their hands down at that point their job is done now, of course that doesn't mean they quit on the play of course it doesn't mean they get to you know i don't know cross their legs indian style and drink lemonade but what it means is at that point, they've pushed they what they've done what's called do your technique. They've done their technique. And as a quarterback, you can see the other 21 players on the field. It's your responsibility to make a play. Go watch his his um temperament and his feet after he decides to come off of that and go backside. He looks like somebody who's sped up and going in fast forward while everybody else is moving normal. He's so wound up and in a rush when in reality, he still has time. He literally had time and he forced the ball. Essentially, he forces the ball. Um, I, I, I think it's behind anyway. I think he actually could have completed it if he puts it on the front shoulder. I think it's Parker. Is it Parker the first one? Yes. Yeah. Right? yeah. 22? Yeah, yeah, I think 22. it is. You can tell I haven't watched the film again yet, but that that's on the quarterback you know people are like oh it's on the line oh no 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 no. you do quick game you predetermine what side of the field you're going to you didn't like it whatever they showed you you didn't you didn't you didn't take it you double hitch you go back backside you've now are the orchestrator of what happens next as the quarterback especially the gunslinger especially the point guard like you we're not gonna sit here and say but what if we, we can't do that. He should have checked out of the play. He should have, you know, he should have done something different. He should have just took what the defense was giving him. Maybe he got confused or he could have used his feet. We needless to say that's on Dylan and I owe you in a game like that. You just can't give it up. Second, the second interception, Barry, and I'm not a guy of excuses, but man, we get hosed by our conference officials worse than anybody else. That's blatantly the, the, the linebacker who's carrying Willis is holding him. He's literally holding him while Dylan's 
holding the ball. And then once Dylan throws the ball, he's pass interference in him. He's got him in an arm bar. If you look, Willis can only put one hand up because the entire time his other hand is being arm barred by the DB. That is as blatant pass interference as there can be. He never turns around looking for the ball, never attempts to. He's simply running and holding Willis the entire time. But you said something that I think is key, and this is why he's a 60 and not a 74. In, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, that's a that's a penalty. But I don't think he's savvy enough to see that as a penalty and trying to take advantage of it because it's not like he's screaming, mm. give me give me PI. It's not like he saw, ooh, this is an opportunity. But you see some quarterbacks do that, yeah. especially in NFL. You'll see them do that, right? I don't think he does that. I think he's just kind of riding the 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 read and throwing it to a guy who's super covered. He had he had he had an opportunity to throw someplace else. He does not have immediate pressure. He does not have immediate pressure. He's got he's got some stuff coming. I think it's the Gabe guy coming from the three technique uh, over Rame. I think he's kind of pushing in his face a bit, but all he has to do is slide to the left, slide to the right, reset, and he has other options. Or again, he can use his feet, which he did well on other occasions, or he can throw the ball away. So although that's a blasphemous no call, I mean, it's blasphemy. Like it's absolutely atrocious, especially considering the the uh, PI they call on hold, what, um, 22 in the end zone. Is it Holden or Colden? How do I say 22? Colden. CJ Colden. Yeah. CJ Colden. Yep. By the way, also a terrible call. We'll talk about it later. But. If they call that call where essentially Colden jumps in the air and the only part of his body touching the receiver's body is an arm bar, which I think is pretty smart, but he also attempts to look back for the ball. He does. And they call the PI. Yeah. But in this situation, this guy's holding him for about seven or eight yards. He never turns around at all. And he's got him in the same arm bar where you can clearly see Willis puts up one hand because the other hand is being held down. We get no call. So, you know, that that one hurts us. The third penalty is just a bad throw, bad read. What the hell is he thinking? I can't even believe he threw that ball. Again, he's not in immediate danger. I just think he's got hot, you know, he's kind of got the hot seat thing kind of going on. And Dylan, Dylan knows better. But here's the part that we got to live with. You ready? How many turnovers did we have in the second half? Two, what, what was it? Two? No. No, how many? Wait, none. None. They were all you're right. They were all in the they first were half. all in the first half. We had zero turnovers Q3, Q4. That's none. Right. We had mm. none. That's interesting. So for the you know, for the world who's saying, Oh, the turnovers killed us, they did. You know, we didn't get any points off the turnover we got because we immediately threw a per when uh when uh, we get the pick. We throw a pick. That's why we don't score off the turnover because yeah. we give the ball right back to them. But we are down, I think it's three or four with the ball, and we choose to punt, which I think is the right play. Actually, I wish BV would have gone for it. I mean, we talked about this. We talked about against ISU, play field position, take field goals. Against Baylor, it's kind of a wait and see. Remember we talked about that in it the pregame? Wait and see, yep. We definitely, at that point, I wonder – how much Coach V is thinking about, man, I wish we hadn't punted. And by the way, I think we, oh, that's the one where the ref is, he says, Mims is in the end zone. Ah, this is me off. This is me off. You know what I'm talking about on the punt? Yeah, and, and that was so, that, that man, usually I felt that, that when, when those are close, 
I feel like they give them to the to the coverage unit. Not Sooners, not 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 Oklahoma at home. Man, Granted, that was a that guy was rough. Standing on the he's literally standing on the goal line. So he can see. But yeah, man, he you know, he he I just feel like that's all you Texas. Texas is getting that thing on the one yard line. That's just how I feel. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm jaded having been in some of those games and seen some things happen. But yeah, my point is this. You're asking me about the quarterback. It's not good enough. Okay, let's just say it like this. It's not good enough, but this is why he's a 60. And a 60 is a one point from failing. So he's not failing, but he's close. And it's not because he sucks. He's a good player. It's not because he can't throw. He makes good throws. It's not because he doesn't have uh, uh, solid reads. It's not because he doesn't get us in the right play a lot of the times. It's because consistently this season, when we needed him to make something happen in a play that it mattered, he's misfired. K-State, there are plays that mattered, and he he just missed. He misses Stoops. He misses Mims. Stoops is a touchdown, up the seam. I'm at the game. He's wide open. He missed him. Mims, it's a 30-yard gain. He's running a deep corner route. He's wide open, and he missed him. And I'm not, this isn't an indictment that, oh, my God, he's terrible. But there's just something, too. If you watch the Sunday night football game today, I know this is a bad comp- comparison because Patrick Mahomes is probably the best player in college in, in, in the NFL. Him and him and the kid in, in, in uh, Buffalo, man, they, they go back and forth. But I don't know if you had a chance to watch that game, Barry, but he literally made every single play that mattered. I'm watching LSU, and I'm watching this kid, Daniels. He made every – by the way, the kid can't really throw that good. I'm watching the FSU game week one, and I'm like, oh, my God, this guy sucks. Like, he's a running back playing quarterback. Like, they literally oh, yeah. can't – you know, they literally can't trust him. He threw in cut after in cut the second half of that game, and when it was third and seven, he's drilling it to butt, booty, or whatever. I don't know. You know, they always got a butt or a booty on their team. Like, how many booties have they had? On, always. A ton. B-O-U-T-T-E. They're spelling them five different ways. But he's throwing compete passes to the guy every time. And then, of course, he beats them on the edge and, and gets the touchdown in overtime. And then he throws the dime to Jason Taylor's son for the two-point conversion. Like, he made plays when it mattered. I would say leading up into this game, I would probably have wanted DG over him. It's just the last two weeks when the lights came on for Daniels and all of a sudden he goes from a running back paying quarterback to, I got to tell you, next year and the mm-hmm. rest of this year, he's a problem for everybody. Kids are four, he's a 4-5, four, 4-4 four, four guy, and now he can beat you with his arm. And he last night he beat Bama with his mind. That that's so DG, dude sucks to come after Kyler, and 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 hurts and 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 you know Bake. We've had quarterbacks who all of them different ways. Baker beat you with his mind and and with his legs if he needed to. Kyler was just an illegal joystick. That was just illegal. Kyler was a four four guy with a baseball arm and with a high IQ. And then Jalen Hurts beat you with his body, and you know. Over you, through you, and then he was a well enough thrower of the ball where he could hit guys if they were open. Dylan Gabriel was none of the above, and he's proven to us thus far this year that if it isn't schemed and it's a play with a high anxiety and high intensity, 
there's no guarantee that he's gonna I, I think most fans would say we don't believe that he'll get to play then 60. and i, I want to go there because th that is one thing that i don't think is is going to change even with an additional year there are, are some players who just have a psychological advantage with how their brain is processing the game how how slow and or fast things are moving there is an ease at which they handle pressure there's an ease at which they they make decisions when when they are stressed and i mean this is stuff i mean you have sports psychologists psychology departments spending pretty high amounts of money on this to try and figure out how to get players to this point and you know generally speaking all we know is that why while some of that can be worked on uh, that there's you know you have players that that see you know seek different types of counseling and then psychology work that there's things that you can do but generally speaking you either have it or you don't and there is an eternal confidence that the greats play with that I don't know if if Gabriel is going to be able to ever really tap into that. I think he is a quarterback that, as you said, if everything is going right and things are are the defense is playing well, he he's got an offensive line that's rolling, and all he has to do is make decisions within the scheme and not necessarily make you know um, sort of these highlight plays not have to go out there and make a ton of off schedule plays because all this stuff trans you can go back to high school you go back and watch high school baker high school kyler high school jalen the things that they did at, at college level and then now some at the professional level they were already also doing at the high school level they just made it look easier at that level you know people talk about baker not necessarily being you know talented enough to get a d1 scholarship but you go back and watch the tape of him in high school in Austin. He was making play after play in stressful, um, so sort of high, um, psychologically demanding situations, just time after time, the way he used his feet, the way he got to his arm. And he was so cool in those situations and just knew how to manage himself. The great ones have this ability and the ones who are just a, a notch below, not even that they're bad players, but they're just a notch below, They, unless things are a perfect storm for them, it is very hard for them to beat a team with a guy who, who is equal or better and has other players around them playing at a higher level. I, I don't want to... Go Let for it. Let me touch on that for just it. a sec, because I have been saying i had high hopes that next year we'd see that development and growth in him and i've i've used the analogy twice uh, uh here on the pod about 99 i was just trying to figure out where I, I was supposed to be 2000 i could read coverage and i had repped it enough and i i kind of had a feel for my my quarterback i i i am gonna rescind that just a bit and i and i'm gonna i'm gonna rebut you just a bit i'm gonna say i think he does have a chance next year just because year one with a bunch of new guys and a new environment the one thing that concerns me, though, is it's not a new system for him. So he should be the one guy that when 
you know, the shit hits the fan or, or it's a very high anxiety moment. We should be expecting he to be one of the very few who says, you know what, on this particular boot or this particular RPO, I know I can kind of hold it a second longer, pull it out. And that DN's going to think it's a run or think I'm going to be passing it or, you know, whatever, think I'm going to be giving it and I can hit somebody. He hasn't shown that. And that does give me reservation. It does give me cause for concern now that I think about it. And I literally just thought about it as you were saying that because I was staunchly aboard the he's going to take the next step next year, except this isn't his first year in the offense. So that concerns me. The other side is um, I think the other players get better next year. And I'm speaking specifically the offense. The offense, believe it or not, right now is, I don't know if ascending is the right word, but um, I see a lot of development and people getting better. Yeah, they've improved. I've seen some guys, and by the way, and that's, oh, the, I think, I think Baylor has a more athletic D line than Texas. Texas just has a big, more powerful line. And obviously we're playing with our backups so they could really in their ears back and know that they're not going to be in a shootout. So they had their big guys in to stop the run. But uh, our O-line fared better against Baylor than our O-line did against Texas. And I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it than it ended up being. We're just dodo brains and make plays in the miss op- most inopportune times. If Rame doesn't get that hold with 17 seconds on the clock in the second quarter, nah. and we aren't forced to kick a 54-yard field goal, mm. you know, uh, we've got our guy eight while we're talking about him. Eight is scrambling, going out of bounds on the seven-yard line on that play. He runs all the way down to the seven, and then we're backed up to the 34 or the 37, I think it is, where we end up kicking from. That's just a play you can't. You can't take a penalty. And I watch the play, and I try to defend him, and I say he doesn't He doesn't necessarily hold, and he's certainly not in the headgear. His arms under his neck or like under his, 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 uh, his face mask, but it's just a play you just can't do. You watch winning teams. You watch – you know, star players, you walk, you watch alpha dogs, they don't do it. And of course, our whole line does it. And it doesn't help Dylan, but Dylan does us no favors. We're on many, many, many drives. If the play isn't perfect, what Levy called, he just accepts a throwaway with like medium pressure, like super, it's like a extra medium. It's not even extra large. It's like an extra medium pressure and he accepts a throwaway. Or, you know, he he, he kind of just, you know, he, he doesn't show that he wants it. I just never see it. And that, again, based upon what I'm seeing on, on the TV and, and rewatching some of the games and hearing what you're saying in terms of, I do think there is some innate I think that's one of those nature or nurture arguments kind of a deal. And I think by nature, he doesn't have it. Maybe it can be nurtured with time. We'll see. But he definitely doesn't have where Baker is like, damn, this dude is a wild man. He's going to do whatever he has to do. And then you're like, Kyler, like, okay, Kyler's the best athlete on the field. And he happens to be a quarterback. And then you're seeing Jalen, who's even taken it to another level. Like, he just doesn't want to be denied. Jalen's going to do whatever the hell he can to win. What What's... What's Dylan's calling card? And I hate to sound like we're beating him up, but in a game like this, I believe any of those quarterbacks find a way to win because 
those guys extend drives and build momentum and extend momentum, whether it's Baker, you know, scrambling and throwing the ball down the field or Kyler doing one or the other, scrambling and running or scrambling and throwing or Jalen scrambling and running and, and literally running over a linebacker if need be to get the additional two yards. Those guys, we saw them do it. Just haven't seen Dylan do it. And it, it like you said, I love what you said. It takes him down a notch. It really does. The centerpiece of the offense for me is Gray. Gray is ascending to a place where he's for sure a guy who's going to play on Sundays. And I'm starting to believe he's a guy who could be, you know, a Pollard. You know, he could mm. be a, a a player on Sundays. He's he's he he gets a little faster. I don't think he needs to get much bigger. The game doesn't require him to be super big anymore, but he works on his his speed after 20 yards. Man, that that kid can play on Sunday for a couple seasons and, and get in the right situation and, and find a niche career. Man, I believe that. And Dylan should be our leader. Yeah. And it's a crime that it, it, is it me, Barry, or does it look like he accepts just kind of his role? It seems to me like he accepts it. It doesn't seem like it pisses him off when things that he controls ends with a you know um, a punt. Or an interception now, he's throwing picks now. You know, it just feels like it's inconsequential to him. It's no big deal versus what would Baker be doing? Yeah, and I th I think that comes down to the, the psychological piece. I, re I really do. I mean, and I would I would probably be more on board with the the development side for next year if we if we've seen flashes of that. But I'm yeah. trying to think back. I don't know if there's a moment this year where OU has absolutely needed a crunch time play. And I'm trying, I'm trying to give them the full benefit of the doubt, but I cannot think of one where they've needed it and he's been able to come through. Maybe against Kansas State. He had some throws down the stretch that were were pretty important. But in the loss against TCU, he's out early. Right in the, the Texas is just kind of a, a throwaway. We'll we'll forget that one. Um, and then this this past week, right? I mean, the the other loss was um, can well Kansas State, Texas, Baylor, TCU. In each game, I don't know if he's had a singular play where you're like, okay, if if things go right next year, he develops. I, th I think we'll see more of this. I just or or Barry, we haven't even in the KU and the Iowa State games. There are opportunities to step on their necks, and he doesn't. Yeah. In the K let me let me give you an example. This is this. I, I'm I, you know I, I'm I don't I'm not Nostradamus, but I'm just telling you. I feel if we have that play where, by the way, Mim scores. By the way, I'm pissed off because Mim scored on that play against KU, and they and they said he was at the one. But I believe I'm talking about when he gets that play down the sideline and it's right before halftime and they stop us um, four down straight and we don't get any points going to halftime. You remember that play? Yeah. OK, if that's Baylor, I mean, excuse me, if that's Bake, Bake runs up to the line of scrimmage, quarterback sneaks, we're in the end zone. He He's 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 high five in his lineman in the end zone. If that's Jalen Hurts, I don't think anybody denies like we totally just run QB lead. And he scores. If that's Kyler, we spread him out. Kyler either throws a dart or scrambles a little bit and just touches the end zone and kind of slows down. But like, 
Those are plays where Dylan doesn't take control. Baker Mayfield, I don't believe whatever Lincoln Riley calls, I believe Baker says, screw that, not screw that, but we've got an advantage. Let's keep them spread out and just run QB sneak and score a TD. Like, I firmly believe he just takes the play and says, damn it, we're scoring. And in and, and the Iowa State game, like, I firmly believe when we're up, like, I'm not missing, you know, Baker or Ky- Baker or Kyler completes the passes to Mims, the, the two that are just right off his fingertips. But I believe they underthrow them a little bit and say, dude, we, we, you know, we need these chunk plays. I'm going to put it in a position where if he doesn't get the catch, he's going to get P.I. Like, I don't yeah. believe they just miss those throws and we just kind of like, oh, we missed it. No, that's seven points. That's mm. seven points. And so, yes, I, I think aside from Kent State, I believe they had a lead on us for a possession. But outside of that game, Barry, there's not one game where if we don't have the lead, we, we, we've we won. Yeah. We don't have a game this season where if we don't have the lead, we, we have not come back one time all season except, I believe, a 3-0 to zero deal to Kent State. That's it. That's it. Well, and, and then I don't mean to belabor the point, but the only reason why is because we brought it up earlier in the season. Yep. I think it might have been after Nebraska. I uh, can't remember specifically, but we said, you know what? It was after Kent State. We said this team, they've got potential, but we do not know what the identity of them is. When you need four yards on, on a third and four, or you need to get eight yards on a third and seven, who do you go to? What is your bread and butter play that you're calling who is your go-to guy? Who are you going to win with nine out of ten times? Hey, stop. I need to hear you. We, we got to go. Let's, let's, let's do it again. I actually want to know. <laughs> Since you brought it up, I want to know. It's We need four yards, damn it. And who are you going to in this rendition of the Oklahoma Sooners after nine games this season? What, what are you calling? Jeez. Honestly, what are you calling? So that that little play that they run with Drake Stoops, where he lines up in the slot, and I think he has an option there on the route, but he he takes it across the middle. That has been a play when they've needed a third down. That has been a pretty solid call for them. Um, they've had a couple things they've run with Braden Willis, but but i and i guess farouk would be it but i'm trying to think of anything that they run with him with any consistency where it's like this is his thing exactly like what you're essentially saying is coach scheming something up right you're not saying oh yeah let's run an rpo and and bake's going to either give or i mean bake dylan's going to either give or take like i'm saying who i know would get it done right like we know we could run zone read with Baker and Baker's going to read that backer. And if that backer is coming, he's going to pull that bad boy and throw it to, you know, uh, shit. He had five different guys. He might throw it to Andrews. Right. Whereas Kyler, we're just going to go four wide and, and go progression and let Kyler kind of, you know, drift one way. And if he gets any type of contain, how many times did Kyler just run and pick up eight on a six yard, fourth and six, oh, man. third and five? 
He did it against Bama, right? And then if he got Hurts, we know Hurts is going to be in a position where he has an opportunity to 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 leak to his right because he can throw well on the run on his lead arm, and he can run and go get it, or you know he can throw the ball if something's open. What is Dylan going to do? Like I'm not asking you for like the route combo. Yeah, yeah, that that Drake play is a good one. The problem is that there's defenses where a safety comes down and robs it, and you're in trouble. It's not there, right? So, but what is Dylan's bread and butter? Can Dylan is Dylan just gonna do drop back? Is Dylan gonna beat him with a quick game? Is Dylan gonna you know beat him with his feet? Like, what is he gonna do? Let me ask you a question: Is is he better rolling out to his right? than spencer rattler was yes or rolling out to his throw it wouldn't be to his right but it would be to his, his throwing side 100%, 100%. okay he's better he's spencer's spencer spent the best version of spencer is him having to roll to his right yeah. that's the he, that's better than him in the pocket but dylan's better rolling to his left than spencer is rolling to his or or are you asking the strong arm or the weak? Yeah, arm? I'm, I'm asking strong arm. Yeah, so it would be Dylan uh, rolling nah, to his. No, 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 no. That that's that's Spencer's strength. Spencer rolling to his right, he can dot the eye. Yeah, I think that's where he's most comfortable. I would mm -hmm. even say he's better rolling to his right than he is just kind of sitting in the pocket unless he can step up and throw and see. Dylan is better rolling to his right, which is his off arm, than Spencer is rolling to his left, where Spencer's basically done. If he has to roll to his left, Spencer's done, unless he can stop, reset, and throw like he's in the pocket. Yeah. Man. I, I, I want to before – I hate to belabor the, belabor the quarterback stuff. The, the secondary seemed to play a, a pretty solid game. I mean, we could talk about some missed tackles that were had, but there was missed tackles to go around. Looking back on this game, how would you grade out what the secondary did? Um, man, you're not gonna like my answer, but I, I give them an incomplete. Okay, here's why I give them an incomplete. Okay, they didn't do any favors for us in the run game. They did not hold the edge in ways in plays where they could come up and pull the trigger. They didn't, mm. but they get the incomplete because. I saw Aranda's post-game presser, and he flat out said it got to a point where we were just like, yo, man, we're going to run the football and see if they can stop us. So it wasn't like the defense or the DBs did something great that they said, uh-oh, we can't throw the ball. Let's, let's, let's just settle for running. They kind of just said, why throw the ball? You know what I'm saying? If yeah. we don't have to throw the ball. And in that instance, I said it on Twitter and it just blows my mind. We couldn't stop them from running the football when we knew they only wanted to run the football. Knew it. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think, you know, I think in a grading system, right? If I'm grading my guys as the DB coach, I don't know how he's going to grade them in terms of tackling or who had their assignments correct in terms of filling the alley or hard corner and containing the edge or, you know what I'm saying? Kind of an inside kind of a deal. Safeties coming in on run plays, run fits. I don't, it clearly wasn't great because we gave up, we gave up money everywhere, mm. but it wasn't like they were just championing deep, you know, housing their receivers. They just, they just, they just weren't. So I think they get an incomplete. I don't think that they should garner the majority of the blame, but they were inconsequential to the scheme of the game. Arana just wanted to run down our throats until we showed them that we could stop them and we never stopped them. 
So you said you weren't going to, uh, or you were going to be hesitant with picking OU until after this game. (laughs) I got to ask now, you got West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Where are we leaning right now? Is this the kind of deal where if they don't beat West Virginia, and I, I want to say just to fans, don't, Oklahoma State has not looked great. But last year, Spencer Sanders had his best game, arguably, against Oklahoma. I guess second half against Notre Dame also was just a fantastic showing. But if he is playing in that game, that game is still going to be a problem. So so where are you leaning on this? Yeah, um, I mean, you kind of got where I was feeling about Baylor, right? I just said, I'm not going to pick against my school, but it didn't feel good. Yeah. And they beat us a little different than I thought they would. I told her, I said, hey, we got to stop the outside zone. How about they kind of, I don't even want to get into it because I'll, I'll get long-winded, but like <laughs> their biggest plays were tendency breakers. They would run, they, they, they'd step like they're doing outside zone. And then, and what they did three times is they ran a reverse off of it reverse action off of it. And all of our guys read outside zone and immediately vacated. And then they started running outside zone steps with an inside zone track. And that's mm-hmm. how the entire defense is washed because their outside zone is trying to get past an entire man, right? To say it in layman's term, inside zone is half a man. He's two steps over and you're trying to just hook everybody and the running back picks a lane. Outside zone is a man and a half, right? So you've got to get farther out and the enti- the goal is to hook the edge. You want to overload the edge with three guys against two guys on defense, so you you can literally just fold the edge and the running back is it's essentially a sweep, is what it is. It's just not pulling backside players; it's pulling playside players and getting an overload. Well, they ran the concept. Go go watch the play on third down. You're gonna be like, oh my god. They run it on their play side, but the backside guys run it like it's inside zone and they just pin and wash and wash. So they wash two guys and then they pin the backside guy and that natural alley is there. You can tell it's an inside zone concept because of the way the running back presses the hole. He presses the hole like he's running from the two gap to the two gap or the two hole to the two hole. Mm. That's literally where that inside zone is. It's the two hole. It's the, the, the two, one, zero. Uh, gosh, how, how, let me see. How did, how did they, I'm sorry. It's the one of the zero, the two or the three. Yep. So it's the one zero two three. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, but he's, he's not pressing it. Like he's trying to get past the guard outside zone. Generally what you're taught to do as a running back is press the play side guard, which is, which is, you know, four yards across the formation inside zone is, is pressed at the, the backside hip with the tackle of the, the, the center. So if I'm pressing the center inside zone, I'm watching the center and those two guards, I'm pressing it. That's what the running back does. The linemen are out of there and our entire defense runs with them. So they make their money plays tendency breaking their tendencies. It was genius. And our dodo head defenders are literally just falling for the banana and the tailpipe. They did it on that huge reverse. They run to the receiver. They did it on the second one. They run to the receiver and they caught it back. They caught a hold. I don't even know what they called. I didn't see it, but they call a, some kind of penalty on them and they bring it back. And then on that, that huge play at the end of the game, running backs running inside zone, linemen are running outside zone and our whole defense reads outside zone and, and vacates and he, he cuts up and he's one V one and, you know, makes a smart play and, touches touches uh 
touches a knee before going into the end zone. But man, I, I look at that B and I, I, I just ask myself, like, what are we, what are, what are we practicing? What are we thinking? You know, like you follow the football. I understand. It just tells me that we don't have guys who are smart enough to just instinctively say, I'm a middle backer. I'm going to go inside out. I'm a safety. I'm a banana A gap to B gap to C gap. Guys are saying, you can tell the coaches say, hey, when you see this, this is what they're doing. But guys don't have the Roy Lee. Roy talked about mind games. Roy talked about him versus the defender. Roy talked about seeing stuff and watching additional film with coach and saying, hey, coach, what if I do this? And coach saying, just don't do that. Like you could hear how Roy was playing the game within the game. It just seems like our guys are playing the game, man. Mm. They're just playing the game. Well, I mean, and part of me is, you know, we'll we'll move on, but just you're coming off of a defense that was, you know, tabbed as one of the the simplest to run. And you're asking them now to not only kind of change the way they play, but but truly just play linebacker. You're asking edge guys to to be a defensive end and tackles to to play tackle. And you're seeing the disconnect in development, what guys are capable of versus what they're not capable of. You know, we've talked about an ad, ad nauseum in terms of feeling like some guys may be out of position, maybe not, but you got to think the staff has a good kind of tab on that and reasons as to why those guys aren't moving or being moved to those positions. So it's a work in progress. DMAC, who's the best team? And we'll, we'll end with this today. Who's the best team in college football right now? Man, who's the uh, Georgia? Still Georgia. Yeah, it's Georgia. Yeah, it's Georgia. Uh, Ohio State. They're going to they're going to stumble. I think Michigan beats Ohio State, actually. I do too. I think Michigan beats Ohio State. I think Michigan, Michigan is the second best team. You think they're the second best team? I think in America. they are the second best team in America. I, I I I don't doubt it. Yeah, I, I I mean they're tough, man. They 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 they're they're starting to play like the maize and blue of the late nineties that I used to love watching the Tim Batukas, the Ty Wheatleys, the I mean Mercury Morris is. I mean they have some guys, man. Um, obviously Charles C. Wood and those guys. Yeah, they. I just think if they're in a game where they're playing from behind, they they aren't dynamic enough throwing the ball um, to to keep up, and and Georgia can line up and stop their power football. Well, we we saw it a year ago. Oh my I mean, god! Yeah, it was it was the same deal. But this year, at least I'm pretty sure they would get them in the championship game because I, I'm going to tell you right now, man. I think TCU is going to end up with the third spot. Well, the door is the door is open, right? Wide with, with open. Clemson losing, Bama essentially taking taking themselves out of the equation with two losses. You know, SC's got to play uh, UCLA, which is going to be a fun game. LSU, they're going to try and try and try to find a way to get them in there, but they've got to. They've got to get through a conference championship game where they're going to, if they lose, they have three losses. Um, you know, I, I don't think Clemson with the way they lost and with the way they've played garners, you know, a, a second chance TCU needs to win out. I think TCU is for sure. Top four. 
And I tell you what, B, I, I would love to see them get a chance. I think they've got the right guys in the right positions. The problem that they'd have with a team like Georgia is they're not going to be able to protect the quarterback. Georgia yeah. will kill the quarterback, but like a Michigan, TCU yeah. could beat Michigan. TCU could beat Michigan for sure. 100%. Yeah. I, I still think G- Georgia probably wins again yeah. this year. <laughs> You're seeing too, um, and the just how important Kirby Smart was at Alabama and why they were such a just dominant team on both sides of the ball. I mean, particularly defensively, just what he has done, the talent that it took him a little bit, you know, and maybe Kirby smart. Everybody kind of points to like Brian Kelly. Everybody points to what, what Lincoln Riley is doing a more apropos kind of comparison for coach Venables is probably a little more of what Kirby smart has had to do. Because it took him a solid few years to build that team up to where they are now. And he built it with just year after year. He he started with just bringing in guys who he knew could play within the system, you know, do the right stuff. He sprinkled in a few blue chippers in there. And offensively, he, you know, eventually got some guys who, who were who were big time names where they could have enough explosiveness. But but that that's probably the closer comp. So maybe it does take, you know, Coach Venables three years to get it done. I mean, I'm still pretty confident. I know fans are wavering in theirs, but it's just one year. You know what he went his first year at Georgia? What did he go his first year? Was it seven wins? Eight and five. They eight won and five. Eight games, including the bowl. So they were seven and five. There you go. They won their bowl game. Um, and this is year seven for him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, you, and and you know, they won their first ship in his sixth year. Yep. They started getting top recruiting classes after his third year. So there's that. Um, I think it's a great comp. I, I the, think the that's plot, the, the difference is the difference is he's in the premier conference in the fertile recruiting ground. So he he you know Georgia. Versus Oklahoma is is uh, I'm gonna use apples and oranges, not doorknobs, and the SEC versus the Big Twelve in terms of perception and you know people's opinion of NFL possibilities is also apples and oranges. So Brent Coach Venables is gonna have uh, he's gonna have a tough task. I gotta tell you, man, I'm not excited about our you know I, I don't know where you you asked me where we're gonna end on the season. I don't know. I told you two weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to see how this week of practice goes. We've got West V next. Is that right? And we're playing yep. them in Morgantown. We got we got yep. them in Morgantown. That's always a tough place for us to win. Mm-hmm. I've watched them play, and they don't suck. They've got good players. They got good players, man. They, they they're one of the bottom lower teams in 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 the Big Twelve, but like they're not ISU. They're not, and they're not. They're not KU without their top quarterback. They're not. Can we win the game? We better win the game because we got to get bowl eligible. At this better. point, B, all I care is that we're bowl eligible. Gotta we're bowl go eligible. Bowl. We go to the we go to the Taco Bell, Nacho Bell Grande Bowl, <laughs> and I'll be happy. We we go to the Build a Bear. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Walmart Bowl. I'm, I'm ready not- for the Cheez Its Bowl, man. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> For the cheese it ball. Man, the fruit loops and and uh and 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 sour patch kid bowl, whatever bowl we go to, 
We need the practices. We really do. We we need to change the guard and get some of these younger guys more reps. Um, and, and we just need to keep this, this season going. The last thing we need is the weeks leading up to the, to the initial signing day. We, we're, we're in the dark and everyone else is playing and our name isn't being mentioned and we don't have anything. We need to get those early enrollees and we need to get those guys who are solid signed on that letter of intent early so that we can get on the right path to uh, getting things started in the offseason and prepping for spring ball. I love it. Well, Sooner Nation, thank you guys for uh, for tuning in. Make sure to go visit Sooners360.com for some more insight, just info into the program. Myself, DMAC, and a bunch of other folks are over there talking our uh, talking our stuff. Uh, make sure to go leave us a rating and review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Follow the social media at Barry Mac SHW on Twitter. Damien's is at D underscore Mac 13. And you can find me at letter B W I S E fitness and follow the IG at the Barry and Mac show, but we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.